1: You're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about classic albums and decide if they deserve that distinction. And we also talk about some unsung classics in the hopes of bringing them to a new audience. And at the end of it all, we let you decide if you're right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. episode number 13 of the Unsung Podcast. Before we get into this week's episode, as ever, just need to clear up what happened last week. And last week we spoke about Cool To Be You by Descendants. And punk fans, you didn't turn out for this one either. What's going on, man? It seems like everybody just likes weird records or really dark records. This is not that dark a record. And this didn't get as many votes as some of the others. And as a result, it was voted by the public that it would not make it into a discography. So Descendants... So sorry, but this record is not the one that goes into discography. Maybe we'll do another one at some point, who knows. But moving on, shout out this week goes to Fraser Stewart, who donated a very fat sum of money to us. And man, that's frankly an unwarranted amount of money to, to give to us. But thank you so much anyway. It will go towards our microphone fund, which is getting a little bit larger. So aye, if you want to donate yourself, the information about that will be buried somewhere within this episode. Now... On this week's episode we are talking about another heavy record Now it's not a metal record, although it kind of is a metal record But it's not metal in the way At The Gates was This week it's definitely one that we think is unsung And it is Carpe Diem by Wellhaven. I'm your host, Mark Fraser, and I'm joined by two future members of Descendants.
2: Uh, yeah, to my right is uh, Chris Kuzak, who at first will have to quit his role as lead singer in Nickelback as well <laughs> on this most holy of days. Yep. Um, in peace. And
3: to my left Chuck is Kroger. David Weaver, <laughs> the only man to ever make it out of illness. Ever. It's actually true. <laughs> yep. uh, do you know
2: what? I, I actually bought a hi-fi from a man off Gumtree, uh, last week, uh, absolute peach of a thing. And I went and picked it up in his little bungalow just near Govan. And he'd just moved down from Inverness. And I was like, oh, hi. And he, he was like, oh, do you know Milna Fua? And that's like the, the, the council estate, like the house, housing estate in Ness And he was a Christian outreach community <laughs> officer in Ness <laughs> And he was like, oh, do you know, um, mad jerry <laughs> no i don't know mad jerry mad jerry with the scars nope don't know mad jerry with the scars and apparently mad jerry with the scars has passed away oh i know so another man that has yet to make it out of all this. <laughs> on this most holy of days <laughs> yeah so
3: there you are thanks it's weird that so, from so much christian country. outreach work up there and given your uh fondness for mayhem and scandinavian black metal there's
2: yeah. been very few church burnings in the Highlands actually. Just
3: because you left. Yeah, exactly. Because they're made I of stone. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried, just can't get it to take. It's <laughs> right there. Sitting there with a brick for ages. Smash <laughs> <laughs> it with no cash Smash it with some mad dog. <laughs> we didn't have mad dog, we just had to make our own. Do you know, apparently MD doesn't mean mad dog. Does it not? It's, it's a the... Jewish phrase. Really? I find this out there. The, the MD 2020, the MD is like. It's just, we've two just added Jewish Jewish it words. as a uh, Scottish. It's just Some a culture. strange like, so, little thing that we, it just became my dog. Is it kosher then? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <It> doesn't say it <laughs> in the bottle. <laughs> uh, okay.
2: Ethnic slurs out the road. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've been pretty slurry about the Highlands.
1: So. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. you hardly a race. What are we talking yeah. about this week, David? Sub-race.
2: Uh, we're talking about Wilhaven and their album Carpe Diem, which what I, I think name, you'll find actually. is Roman. It's Roman? Yeah, it's it's Latin. Latin? No, it's not. It's Roman. Uh, (laughs) The Latin road. (laughs) All roads lead from all this. Uh, It means seize the day, I believe. It does mean seize the day.
3: Mm -hmm. I remember my. Is that your fact?
2: (laughs) It's not really a fact. I think a lot of people. It's definitely a fact. Well, it is a fact. (laughs) I remember my friend had a Homer Simpson pencil case that said Carpe Donut seize the donut. Oh, right, okay. So
3: there
2: we are. Anyway, yeah. (laughs) Carpe Diem by Wilhaven.
3: I think I uh, suggested this one.
1: You did suggest this one, I believe.
3: Um, Wilhaven are a band that have more albums than I give them credit for, I'll be honest. Because Put My cards On The Table, this was their best album. And after this, as much as there are some good moments, I'd lost track of what they'd been doing. But I yeah. didn't realise they were doing stuff right up. They've got an album in t- 2015. And, I mean, that's like six albums in total, plus a an EP at Yeah, the start. it's like it's, it's a lot more than I actually thought.
1: Yeah. I they released a new song this year.
3: They released a new song oh, really? a week
2: ago. Oh, wow. And it okay, features wow. Steve Carpenter from The, Def, the Deftones.
1: The Tones. On
2: guitar. <laughs> Funnily enough, he's co-written... Uh, they're the first track on the new
3: album.
1: No, yeah, so they're pretty tight. They're
3: part of the Sacramento crew, along with Jonah
2: yeah, and which, Far. Uh, I think this album is kind of defines what we're doing with this podcast, maybe, in mm. that it's a completely underappreciated record. It's a record that doesn't really fit in any genre. The band never really got that big, particularly compared to their contemporaries. Mm. You know, good tours, but yeah,
3: they never really got the attention themselves. Um, Knock at the hook.
2: I don't think they never really came. They ever came close to bettering it, as you mentioned, Chris. Um, But I do think that it has been very influential, and is recognised as a classic amongst a very you know small amount of folk that have really taken it to their hearts.
3: Yeah, we will go back into it, I guess, later on. But I think it's really underappreciated stylistically how how brave the album is. Like the 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 the, the the delivery and the the underlying kind of musical. Uh, mm-hmm. Theory, almost of some of the way they they fit it into a genre that wasn't really accommodating those kind of ideas before this point. This is like two thousand and one. Yeah, this so is like yeah. yeah. I mean, and given given the landscape at the time as well it was pretty stodgy. Um, well, yeah, I think I mean they're friends with
2: Deftones
3: and Far Deftones is probably un- a bad example. So they're actually one of the better bands. No, but what I'm saying about...
2: is much like Deftones, they were maybe piled in with that new metal yeah, of of yeah. that era. When in fact they, you know, definitely transcended it. Oh, that was a uh, uh, you loved it, but it was a brutally. I mean, I loved certain parts of it. (laughs) I will uh, hear no bad things uh, against the first four corn records, for instance. But uh, (laughs) but I mean, there was some absolute fucking Howlers. horror happening there.
1: Yeah. Coal chamber. Coal chamber. What the fuck was coal chamber spring to mind?
3: The roof.
2: Absolutely (laughs) dreadful. You know, but there's so much money been sloshed around then you know mm-hmm. if you're from la and you had a guitar and you know drop b then you were getting a million dollars you yeah. know pretty much
3: it is the last great huzzah of that in the industry at that point as well yeah. you know for all the streaming stuff mm-hmm. it? but it was
2: really interesting because that's the era that i got into this and i've heard will haven first time it was on the first ever kerrang cover mount cd that i ever had i have seen my fate is I, that the tune no, it wasn't. It was If was uh, She Speaks from the second record.
3: Well, no, From uh, WHVN, yeah, yeah. Because first thing I heard them was I have seen my fate from El Diablo, the first full album. Yeah. And I th- that might not have been Kerrang! That might be Metal Hammer. Ah, uh, yeah. But yeah, that was like again, yeah. Those those two yeah, songs. were and the were the, best the other note.
2: bands on that record were there was a Corn track. There was a which uh, one? What year was that? It was ninety eight, I think. Ninety nine. Maybe it was ninety nine because oh. it was uh, Wake Wake Up by Korn Then there was uh, Rage Against the Life is Peachy. Then
1: right issues. Aye, I just came out ninety nine. Yeah.
2: And then there's a track off "Battle of Los Angeles" by Rage, mm-hmm. and there was um, Fine yeah, so it was that sort of era. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was a Biohazard track in there. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and their first two records, I you know I listen to them occasionally. They're actually pretty good. Sort of, they're they're more hardcore than metal yeah, to they're,
3: me. They the, they show moments of like what. Carpe Diem really nails. Like yeah. there, there are definitely a few few tracks. There's a couple on El Diablo, and there's a two or three on WHVN yep. that really do demonstrate like a little bit of the kind of stuff they maybe had in their in in their locker, but it was delivered uh, a lot straighter and a lot clumsier. And I think like the El Diablo had that really rattly corn based thing that I could think made it more of its time, and it mm-hmm. also had that dead. Clangy piccolo snare thing, and there was a lot more tropes, yeah. And a, a lot fewer, as the second capable.
2: record maybe had that just more like hardcore, more
3: st- straightforward drum beat as well. Was it the second record that had that song Jaworski? No, that was, was that on the second one. I think that was in the second. What, one, yeah. What's the song that goes, This is our fuck you song? It's just yeah. pure cheesy, like, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, then out comes Carpe Diem, and funny enough, this track Carpe Diem I heard first on another Karan cover my yeah, that's CD. Yeah, I
1: first heard them as well. And
2: I just I didn't know what the hell it was because it was just it was heavy music, but it was heavy music with this one note, and it
3: was stripped back, and it wasn't. Like anything I'd heard before, really. It was, you yeah. know. And the, the time signatures in it as well were like, not so much the time signatures, but the accents in it. The, the, yeah. the, the swing that it was played with was really odd for, for that kind of music. Also had a video, with Carpe Diem. It was one of the first. I think it was, did they do a video up until that point? This might have been their first video. Um, I think Chino Moreno was in the video mm, as yeah. like the actor. Um, but also, I, actually I don't know about you. I really like the aesthetic of Willhaven because they were one of those bands that was sort of playing really heavy, sometimes very sludgy stuff. But they were quite clean cut, sort of jeans and t-shirt guys or like Grady Avnell had like yeah. a, a suit. He liked to wear like a white shirt with a suit coat and it was like, it was just different. It got away from that kind of like long haired, like, you know, just windmill and kind of yeah. stodgy kind of metal cliche that was very two dimensional. And there was, there was something refreshing about that, that you could play that kind of music, but not have to, you know, subscribe to so many other things that were just a bit.
2: S O T T sort of machismo thing. Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they were there were another band that that seemed to maybe as part of that Sacramento scene as well. Um, with far and Deftones, tones, sort of shun a bit the the macho side of it. Yeah. you know, the new metal was pretty bad for that. Absolutely, or, yeah. for some people, pretty good for that. That's mm-hmm. what you're into, mm-hmm. which they a lot were. Um, but but hardcore at the same time was also like that. Like bands like Biohazard, Madcore. stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. then post hardcore came out and yeah. and sort of reformed yeah. that.
2: And
1: yeah.
3: yeah, and even bands like Dillinger Escape Plan and stuff who were extremely heavy. We've spoken about this before, like really heavy, but also much more aesthetically nuanced and singing about much more complex things. And yeah, I mean, it was it was an interesting time in the sense that there was a, a backlash against the machismo as much as mm-hmm. there was a, an abundance of machismo. And and Will Haven seemed like a little bit of a thinking man's metal band, and they they really saw it through on this album, I think as well. Yeah. I don't know what what gets me
2: with it is it is, it's progressive, but it's also stripped back. It just gets that balance between the two things mm-hmm. perfectly. You know the production's really fucking simple, and a lot of the time they're just playing those riffs on one fucking guitar string.
3: You know what it reminds me of, and I know this will be part of the appeal to you as well. Mm-hmm. The at times, if you if you jump into a Wellhaven song at the right moment, you can be fooled into thinking you're listening to sugar. At certain moments, so the way so the way they yeah. do the kind of four four thing, and they push past it, and they kind of mess around with it, and that kind of, and yet Mashuga were way more complicated and way mm-hmm. more proggy and way more, more let's say Dream Theater, but just way more elaborate. And yeah, conceptual. Dream Theater over here, and you know Wilhaven yeah. over here. Wilhaven had those moments of Mashuga that were really just brutal and just crunching and awkward and jarring, but it, as you say, it was much more stripped back. It was much. A more punky approach yeah. to it. you might be in the
2: mosh pit, but you might be not quite sure how to mosh. Yeah, mm. what foot and what head should be where. <laughs>
3: yeah, I really love that But well, having some of the riffs because of that weird push, the, the Latin push that they do. Mm-hmm. You can't really mosh forward. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You kind of have to mosh backwards because yeah. it's like, it's like you, or, or you have to kind of lurch because you never really get the backswing in time because it's constantly doing that. Yin, 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 yin. Yeah thing where it's like pushing forwards on the beat actually probably a, a decent enough time to go into that but um, I had to in preparation for this consult with somebody that knew what the hell they were talking about on this matter and so my man Graham Costello drum aficionado jazz a, man jazz man, and graduate of the conservatoire was throwing some random drum related phrases at me mm-hmm. but he hadn't heard this before. <coughs> He'd heard well even a bit but he didn't really know what the fuss was about and I was kind of saying to him like if you've only just heard them in passing, you maybe wouldn't grasp how this album really took a simple idea but took it to a, a really interesting place and in the best way that I'd seen it done. But he was saying things like that, that kind of Latin push that they do mm. um, where they're always playing on the front of the beat. or I mean, it's, it's sometimes the drummer, sometimes the guitarist, they, they kind of alternate, but they're playing on the front of the beat so it's constantly lurching forward and it gives it a sense of movement. Even if the tempo is not that fast, it feels... And um, I think it's a technique that I think Mashuga use quite a bit as well where actually the underlying uh, time signature can be quite simple. It can be quite... Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. 4-4 pr- something. most of my yeah, yeah. stuff is 4-4. Four four, but. Uh, but it's just, it's based on these, like, counted-out patterns and strange placings yeah. of the strikes. And he was saying, I think he said that, that occasionally kind of seem to dabble in, like, what would be, like, a 12-8 equivalent. Mm-hmm. And um, he was telling me there's the, of apparently, playfully accent hidden triplets for effect. Of course they do. There you go. Um, uh, they often don't resolve... On some of the pushes at the end of the line, you know, where you would you would push, but then you would land flat on the last beat. Yeah. They, they keep it pushing right over the edge, and they just never let it stop. So you have that really uneasy sense of when is this riff going to give me? Well, a that, chance. I mean, that
2: yeah. happens in the first proper track. Um, it's so it's Saga, Saga, saga I mean. yeah, track two. <laughs> So it kicks off and you're like oh this is you know pretty hefty hardcore metal stuff and then that just that strips strips back to that just one note riff and you're like oh fuck yeah <laughs> they've taken this back to basics but they're also pushing yeah something with it yeah they stretch the intervals in the beats yeah a yeah lot yeah. Of the time, yeah and then also you think that's the heaviest note you've
3: ever heard and <laughs> then they just <laughs> they just they drop, down, drop it down another note it's, and you're like, oh, it's, it's fuck, really hello. cheeky but it's a hell of a payoff isn't it yeah I think a, a big difference with, like, so Jeff Irwin is the only member of Wilhaven that's been in Wilhaven throughout, right, mm-hmm. and Jeff Irwin does a lot of the writing, he plays the guitar, and in this, uh, on this album, he takes the lead on a lot of those kind of pushed sections especially, and in that one, obviously, the guitar is, when it does that shift down one note, it's obviously Jeff Irwin, but a big difference on this from that earlier stuff was the arrival of a guy called Mitch Wheeler mm-hmm. on drums, um... Uh, I think it was Wayne Morse I think is that a general drummer in Will Haven and nothing against Wayne, Wayne Morse the first two albums are good but um, Mitch Wheeler there's something really subtly effective in the way he really leans in to this whole concept of like the kind of Latin push but played to sludge music like I, I can imagine see if you did a MIDI file you know like a little kind of like MIDI kind of bleep bloop kind of guide file of will haven's music yeah it would sound just yeah it would sound like herbie hancock or something like that because it would be so twee and funny and like but because they play it so low so heavy so hard it is dead unsettling yeah to want to kind of move your backside in that weird tempo but it's also like quite misanthropic at the same time it's a really weird juxtaposition
2: i'm just aware like so for me Basically, the first time I heard that riff in Carpe Diem on that Coverman album in
3: 2001. Very good. Yeah, Yeah. I was just like, yeah,
2: this is the (laughs) band for me. I want to be in a band like this. I want to do this. Mark, it took you a lot longer to... Work out why I like, why yeah. Where you are, are you in this, Mark? You?
1: Because I don't, I, I still, you were on the fence. I was on the fence and I don't really like it that much, to be honest. It's
3: not what your neck was telling me in my car.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, let's, let's go back a bit. When we originally, I think it was a hangover this, from the descendants pasting that you got last week. <laughs> when we originally recorded this podcast before it was lost uh, in the digital, you know, domain maelstrom of nonsense, um, I didn't really get into this record, but.
2: Which is interesting because you've been in bands that or sound, like, in this. A band
1: that sound <laughs> exactly like this. And I, I really enjoy playing this kind of music. Yeah. Like the, the element you're talking about with that constant push. Like there's something so. It's quite primal. Not, not only is it just quite primal, but it's really weird to kind of be playing something which is effectively quite simple as a guitar or bass player, but it's just get like a weird feeling to it. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like a weird kind of energy to it, which you don't really get elsewhere. Yeah, it's a
3: really simple idea. Mm-hmm. Like that's the weird thing that. I mean, there may be other examples of bands that have done this. I certainly don't know any that have done it to this success, but that Haven are the first band I can think of that took such a simple idea and did it in this fashion is pretty striking, considering this was mm-hmm. relatively late on. You Musically,
1: know, a, I mean, guitar-wise and riff-wise, these are basically new metal riffs that are just played differently. You know, it's the same tuning, yes, basically the same guitar tones. Essentially. There's but they could like, also no. be stoner, so it depends really on
3: the, the accents. I mean they're 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 quite Yeah, it's quite doomy. It could yeah. be Yeah, the accent
1: changes it though because it's yeah, essentially oh no, the exact same simplicity Aye. you would get in and yeah, No in, argument there at all. new metal song, you know. And that's for me what I found really refreshing about it. And it's we it's weird as you were saying earlier on, either we this somehow this band never quite got there. I don't know, for me at that age, if I'd been listening to a lot of new metal, I'd be looking for a panacea, I'd be looking for something that's a bit different, right? I would Obviously most people weren't because this band they they had the opportunities. Mm-hmm. They played with the bands.
3: Yeah, I mean they played with they like them Biscuit, Beastie oh. Boys, Soulfly, Fear Factory, Deftones as well.
1: They played with even the, like
3: Soulfly is an yeah. interesting one
2: because like they sound a lot like this hmm. in terms of recording and even that just like exactly the same guitar. Yeah, the tuning, tuning and yeah, yeah. And they do a lot of those one one string riffs but a totally different feel. Mm-hmm. You know, Soulfly
3: were a they new metal They were more conventional. Did they be able to, and I know yeah. they tried to entertain a lot of, like... Cause they did, and they even were, like, specifically South American travel stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, they tried to play up we'll the Latin thing, it, but it, off it and, didn't seem to be quite yeah. as natural. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's an interesting point. Eh?
1: But I get... I, in saying that, though, it fair, that kind of Latin-style stuff that Soulfly played paid off really well in Roots, buddy, in Roots basically, when they were doing it mm. as a new metal how much of that Simple was just
3: sure on was, the, in the I mean, aesthetic like, of that song, though?
1: In the like, the whole record. The video. Like, <laughs> they moved on. The, they deliberately moved. This is a different. Is a different podcast. But they actually went <laughs> to like back home to Brazil and then spent a lot of time playing with like tribesmen, playing like pri- that primal music. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, and they in turn that apparently these people in these tribes were actually really happy to see just like to them um, foreigners, even though they're, even though they are from Brazil, like come in and want to know more about this kind of culture. You Know and it doesn't feel so rote on that record as it does, you know, on Soulfly. Shit. Um, and it's weird how it doesn't, how this has the same flavour, but is it a completely different taste?
3: See, it, one of, I think one of the reasons though that well, there's maybe two like wellhaven turned down a lot of tours because they said there was no point in them doing, I think they got offered a nine month tour with Deftones or something at one point, mm-hmm. and they said there was no point in them doing touring of that magnitude when, uh, as Grady, I think, said there was no danger that wellhaven were ever going to write be quiet and drive mm-hmm. they they were never going to write a hit single so he was like they could bust their ass and sacrifice all of their family life um but would always be an underground band never yeah they were it was too challenging the music it was it was too obstinate and weird and unsettling they didn't even have you know a roots bloody roots kind of breakout single you know and I, th- I think they were bigger in the UK than they were in the USA. Maybe uh, some of those, my, the influence of some of those cover discs. We, it's, it's a number of times we've talked about how we heard a yeah. track and a cover disc and stuff. They played a big part in Wellhaven breaking through here more than they did initially in the USA. So I think they always did reasonably well over here. I believe there's actually like a, a kind of a little bit of folklore. One of their, sh- or two of their shows and one of their tours got cancelled and they, uh, they cited Grady's wife who was in Paris at the time. Yeah. Some kind of like personal problem. So Grady had to go and see her. And I think they were covered by people from other bands like Skindred. I think like Simon Neil from Biffy Clyro and Craig yeah, Lee from Aerogram did the Glasgow show. Yeah. And there was one in Newport as well. But I, th- I think. But that just shows that, you know, over here, you
2: know, all the guys in bands, all the folk yeah, in bands were,
3: were at that show. And, and they were a band's band, yeah, definitely. That, that's yeah. an interesting thing when you get a band's band. It's like the band, the musicians recognize, man, these guys are doing something really interesting. And yeah. quite often another band is the one that popularises that sound. Yeah. You know, and fair enough. I mean, everybody's really just a, a combination of their influences. But I think, uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, they maybe had a point. It was hard to imagine how Wellhaven could have released a commercially huge album, given mm-hmm. how they sounded. Certainly the stuff they've written since isn't bad. I think the recording quality varies, yeah. um, but it's it's never shown any potential
2: and it definitely goes down to, more that sort of yeah.
3: specific doomy sludge yeah, it's, thing.
2: Exactly. It's not it's, it's not, it's not a,
3: like they came out of that. It's like they, yeah, s- they seem yeah. to have stayed more. Well, funnily enough,
2: I was at um Boris and Amin Ra last night at St Luke's, which is, you know, a very doomy sludge show. And I saw a girl wearing a Wilhaven hoodie. <laughs> I was like, Oh
3: go your
2: You don't really see much Will Haven yeah. merch ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she was um aye. But I think I, a friend of mine owns all of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But funnily enough, I just I decided to look at like what like the their sort of online streaming audiences, and it's so small. Yeah. Yeah, like I was looking c- at that earlier. Comparatively, well. they've weird. got about I think they have about three, and a half month, three and a half thousand monthly listeners on Spotify. Compare that to Cave in have fourteen thousand, and like Poison the Well have forty thousand. Wow. Converge have a hundred and forty thousand. Yeah. You know. Will are way down there.
3: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I wonder like I mean, obviously it didn't exist at the time, but at their height, at the height of this album, for mm. example, it'd be interesting to see where they might have sat. You would think they might have been closer to the kind of poison the well sort of level. Aye, ah, yeah,
2: exactly. That like that sort of you know, 2000, as I say, 2001.
3: As someone that admires them, like or at least certainly really admired them on this record specifically. The fact that I didn't know they'd released three albums subsequently is mm-hmm. uh, okay, maybe that's that's not a great sign. Um, I know that the one that was after this, the Hierophant, mm-hmm. um, Jeff Jaworski, who the album, the song was named after, who's a Red friend Tape. of the band from... Red Tape. Red Tape, no, yeah. Red Tape. Um, he did vocals on that album, and I think the album wasn't really particularly well received. I th- Actually, th- some of the songwriting on it's not bad at all. The recording on it is very patchy. Yeah, it's quite muddy. Yeah, and a lot of the reviews basically said, no Grady, no Will Haven, you yeah. know, without Grady's vocal. People just weren't having it, especially not the purists. And if it is that smaller a a fan base that you're talking
2: about, or they're quite—if you've got a thousand worldwide listeners, (laughs) yeah—they're a band
1: that probably would have benefited from being a little bit later and and hanging on it a lot harder.
3: Maybe, maybe. You know, before this album, I mean, they were a band that had a little bit of crossover appeal because they were interesting, because they were a little bit more inventive and not quite as stodgy, and they had that different look. I mean, they they were—they were—they were one of the few metal bands that, like, NME would cover. Mm. I think like before this album came out, Enemy were like teasing it a bit, like saying that supposedly, Wellhaven were like massive fans of Radiohead, yeah. and they'd they'd said they were going to release like a double album where it was like kind of weird, ambient drone stuff mixed with this. And there were, there are moments of that in this album, um, but supposedly that was going to be, or that's at least how Enemy teased it. they were like Wellhaven are going to do like a a kiddie for like yeah uh, sludge fans, you know, which ultimately never happened, but.
2: Funnily enough, I always tie this band in with a British band, uh, Earth 0-9. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, <laughs> yeah and like yeah. Earth 9 were similar in that they had a lot of like interesting, you know, heavy, aggressive things going on and some of it didn't work as well as, you know, mm-hmm. it could have.
3: Yeah. Um, they were a bit too earnest of it.
2: Like yeah, yeah. 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 But, um, but also maybe they were just like in the wrong era as well. Possibly, yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's by the by. you like what you hear and you want to support three guys just doing their best and also this microphone absolutely reeks it smells of fags and beer so we need some money to get some I don't know microphone covers or just some new microphone yeah even just a kettle to boil this in (laughs) then please support us
1: go to our website what's our website? wwwunsungpodnet slash donate slash donate there you are Please,
2: <laughs> I hate the smell. It's so <laughs> dank.
3: You'd mentioned the band last time that you thought Will Haven were. Oh yeah, bit. there's
2: a couple of. There's definitely a few bands that have taken that Will Haven sound and that Carpe Diem sound and. You know, gone to extreme lengths with it, and there was there was a band called Black Sheep Wall who are LA based, and they're they're still around. They've released a couple of records, um, and it's just unbelievably heavy stuff. Yeah, but you know, they've they've kind of got that party s- music in all this. Yeah, them. exactly. <laughs> the and then another band, Admiral Angry, who yeah. just absolutely fucking nailed it. I think
1: that it's, record is phenomenal.
2: Yeah, it's, so fucking uh, great, man. They they released uh, one record called Buster, just. It's so incredibly heavy. It's like the halfway point between Wilhaven and Meshuggah and then, I don't know, everybody's taking Ketamine or something. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> oppressive. Uh, but yeah, the guy, the guitarist, who was like the sort of driving force in Admiral Angry, he died when he was 22. So they've never really wow. carried on. But yeah, there's definitely bands out there that have taken this sound and gone with it. And then there's other bands... You know, you hear like even sort of more mainstream metal bands like Bring Me The Horizon and stuff like that who, you know, pick and choose their influences. But there's, you know, there's breakdowns in certain records that you're just like, oh, yeah, that's
3: that's the willhaven bit. willhaven are the king of the breakdown on this mm-hmm. album. I mean, there's yeah. some really, really great breakdowns. And so it's actually, I know we've mentioned Carpe Diem and Saga, which are the kind of the big intro pieces beyond the opening bit of music. And the opening bit of music kind of shows that kind of they were going to be a bit more experimental on it and stuff. But Bats this is amazing. Oh, what what a song! Like like that that riff is a bit three thirty three forty yeah. that comes in. It's just so misanthropic. It's just wow. It is really negative. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and to me, like that's their, uh, that's their like be quiet and drive, like you know yeah, the, the yeah, slow yeah. build, but it's still so fucking heavy and, and dark. Uh, and then like the last riff in dressed in night clothes, oh yeah, that's you know yeah, that fuck, <laughs> yeah, <that> it's just
3: <laughs> a really uncomfortably tense riff. Like, just- how are
2: you doing that? Like <laughs> why have you not just like thrown your instruments at each other?
3: Um, is it it's one or two tracks after that as well? Is it uh, finest hour? It's yeah, the one yeah, yeah. builder. It's a really nice palate cleanser. It's that 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 again kind of mm. the ambient thing where it kind of builds up and it's got that really dreamy feeling, and then just does the tape stop like the, the tape yeah. slow down, and then bursts into just this big cacophony, and then fades out into the kind of like almost talking about sepultura back and mm. like the kind of kaiowasi sort of strummed acoustic guitar mm-hmm. kind of tribal thing in the background. And then straight off the back of that in the alpha male
1: which it's is just a fucking beast of a tune man brutal yeah Total it's beast of a song
3: absolutely brutal uh, that's got most of the components like if you're like well, so what is this album what is it they're talking about it's like well, you can kind of sum most of them up in a yeah. relatively short sp- space of time with that track <laughs> Um, And Miguel as well, the the, the breakdown at the end of Miguel, talking about breakdowns, is another total. I mean, they were the absolute kings of succinct breakdown, sludgy, doomy, crazy heavy music. It was kind of hard to categorise them as well, so I was trying to like think like in a nutshell what what you call them. And the most common ones were like noise metal, and there was some post metal. Yeah. But are they post metal? I, th- I mean, they're not. Yeah, it feels cause... more like Cult of Luna is like post metal or yeah. something like that. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say they're a difficult one for that. I, th- I think noise metal felt them. Yeah, it's hard. They're hard to categorise them. Yeah. I, I mean, because they have like noise, be. that kind of unseen cherubs, kind of like mm-hmm. pure. Yeah. Racket, they have that vibe, but then they are much more metallic, so I guess that feels like probably the only label that would be close enough to justify use. But, I mean, I think this is a tremendous album. Um, I don't think it's... Am I, is, are, are we coloured by it because we, we listened to it back... It
1: was, I would say you uh, are.
3: When, when did you first get in it? Like, like, as soon as I heard it. Yeah. I think I went and, and bought it in, from HMV in yeah, 2001. I think I was the same, and it... I'm trying to work out if maybe that's part of, like, why it doesn't... Because it seems like it's got all the ingredients to click with Mark, and I can't tell yeah, if he is just no, really I went, upset descendants.
2: I, I went to uni then, you know, like five years later, and I met some folk who hadn't heard it but were in hardcore, and I introduced it to them, and they were like, oh, yeah, fuck, this is amazing. And I ended up going to see... Yeah, I went to see Well Haven a couple of times, and I saw them in King Tut's, and, yeah, that was with a couple of folk that... I introduced to them, you know, after, you know, three or four years after the album came out mm. and they got it. When was that you saw them? I, I mean, I've no idea. I mean, like, roughly ballpark. 2007, maybe? So was that the guy seven. from Slipknot in them at that point? No, I think Chris it was Fenn. before then. He he did the record in, like, 2010, I think, so.
3: Ah, right, okay, okay. Um, ah, you're right, 2010, Chris Fenn joined. Apparently, Chris Fenn and the... Jeff are big golf fans, which is the least <laughs> metal. <laughs> it's actually something I didn't want to know about the band. i like, that's that, that yeah. is not doesn't it's not compatible with the tone of this album. You live um, long enough, and your heroes turn into golfers. golf fans.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like
1: cancer.
3: It's like yeah. eventually you live long enough, everybody becomes a golf.
1: Fan. Yeah, that's it. I I think there's a lot to like about this record, but I think parts of it I haven't aged particularly well, just because there's still a little bit of that kind of bands have taken a bit of the sound and pushed it in, in ways which are kind of more hardcore-y. I mm-hmm. always feel as though they still have that hardcore nest to them, which is frustrating for me to listen to because there's too much weird metal stuff to make it not metalcore. Does that make any sense?
3: Did you go back and... Did you listen to any there? Did you listen to WHBN, for example? I
1: have not listened to it, no. Because
3: that is a little bit more typically hardcore. It's like, it's the... It's a bit more conventional, but with similar tones. And to be honest, it's it's still good. It I, it doesn't like tick the box for me in in the terms of really plowing that furrow of the weird Latin pushed thing. It doesn't do that as much. It does it a bit, but not as much. And it's got um it's got the different drummer on it, which I think played a part. But you may find that if you if you do kinda have time for it, but you're not sold on it, you may find that certainly one of the earlier two albums is because they're a bit more direct and a bit chunkier might actually be like, ah, oh, that's the combination I'm looking for. There's,
1: I have grown to like this record, like I said at the start. I've grown to, I've spent more time with it and I've been able to get into it and there is a lot to admire about it. You know, it is unrelentingly heavy. It is devastating in places, like really devastating. For me, it doesn't quite land in the same way metal does. It probably goes back to that noisy thing i mm-hmm. are talking about. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's definitely more of a racket than a than anything else, I guess. Um and I do like that land push thing. I mean, I played in a band, that played yeah. two bands that did it, do yeah. you know what I mean? And it's so much fucking fun to play. And it's like, it's like we've said, it's taking these simple elements, these simple things, because everything they do is not particularly difficult to play. All of it, moving it to the right or the left a wee bit, do <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, just, just taking it off-kilter a wee bit, but not too much. They do this weird thing where it's like, it's almost like they've taken a drum beat,
3: see the way the drum beat comes in, just behind the beat, Or the guitar stroke comes in just behind the beat. It's almost like they've played it backwards. Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine some going win, 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 it's just almost sounds like it's running backwards because they're just landing just behind Mm -hmm. that beat each time. It's it's a really odd technique. And you're right; it's it doesn't sound like it would be incredibly hard to play. I'm sure it's not easy to play, but it doesn't sound like being incredibly technical. But I love that about it. There's a there's a punkness about mm. it because it is quite. The ingredients are quite simple. There's yeah. no tapping solos. There's no harmonized solos. Yeah, and it's, it's really f- for me another like. It's quite similar in a way to
2: botch, mm-hmm. but but well, they're what quite botch tentacle, do? It's very part. you know, you know a lot a lot of bands couldn't pull off anything that you know
3: botch did or, some of the stuff at the end of We Are the Romans where they get really into their kind of like. The, the yeah. more down tuned stuff, yeah. yeah. There's there's some similarities there.
1: Let me say, not a lot of people can play this either. Like of previous incarnations of the bands I was in, we would tried many different drummers, and a lot of them can't get this. Mm. You know, that's the that is the trick right there. It's been able it's, to find that. It takes groove. Yeah. Like
3: it, it, this this that kind of drumming. That's that's kind of what I mean. And no disrespect to uh, Mitch Wheeler, I think his name was. The first two albums are well played, but it takes. There's a bit of Latin groove. In that. And that, and that, it sounds like Jeff Urban was really trying to get this into their music for a while, and it just, when when the, the, the second drummer came in, that it, it just clicked, and this was a guy that could do what he was asking him to do, mm-hmm. and they were able to alternate, you know, the, the kick drum pushing the beat, or the guitar pushing the beat and stuff, and it it just, it did, it, for me, it just gave it a a really distinctive, significant ingredient, and they only really did it this one time. Like I said, they never really progressed this sound, or at least to date, and it just sits there in history for me as this little anomalous but strangely beautiful dark ugly bit of music that was just really nicely rounded it's also it's a great lens, 10 tracks it's just it's just enough in every way it's mm-hmm. very the aesthetic of the album is very simple it's just something really understated and really effective and I, I i do think it's a a musician's album
1: i would definitely agree with that yeah i mean i i do think i said it before about our record i said it about the poor record But I do think that this discography would feel worse off if this wasn't in it because there needs to be representation about not just stuff which is pleasing or challenging but stuff which is also specifically both of those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that fill both fulfill both criteria.
3: Yeah, I think that's what upset me about those the, the reviews that we talked about in the port. Said uh, episodes where people were like, "Oh, you can admire this album, but you can't enjoy it." So that's probably the same could be said about this record. Yeah, I think. it's like surely yeah. you can do both. You can admire it and enjoy the fact that it's making you uncomfortable. I like hot food. Yeah. I like overly excessively hot food. You know? <laughs> it's like yeah, it's what? some some pleasant, but that's why I like it. You know.
2: I mean, I think what defines it in my head. Sort of unwittingly, is I mean, I fucking I just love making playlists and I also love thinking of bands that I want to start and then never starting <laughs> them. So yeah. I make a playlist, I've been in that chat. I make <laughs> like a little playlist of, oh, I want to be in a band, this band, and these are the five influences. Pretty much always, no matter what, if I want to do a fucking post metal band or a black metal band or anything, I always put a track off this. I always want Willhaven to be a cornerstone. It's basically like a cornerstone of anything I ever want to make as a musician.
3: Yeah. So no matter where the music goes, you want it to come back to that. Yeah, I want to do, if drop, I end up breakdown. making a fucking
2: folk Tronica <laughs> jazz record, there'll be a fucking breakdown at the end that sounds exactly like alpha male. And I'll be like, yes, I got it in there. <laughs> Jackpot. Well, that's... it's just, it's like a defining part of what I am musically. And I can't get any more. I get that
1: with uh, the second Rise right, Against record. Mm-hmm. Everything that I ever do always comes back to that somehow yeah, it always I comes back to wanting to make that particular or have that element of that sound in it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I totally understand, like, the feeling. But, and it actually came out the same music as well, mm-hmm. which is weird. I was definitely the punk kid.
2: <laughs> What's your defining bit of you, shellac?
3: Why do you say that?
2: I don't know. I just because s- I'm wearing check Just because you always want <laughs> have beefy bass. Is it because I get in arguments? Just because you <laughs> like beefy bass tones.
3: I don't think shellac have got a particularly beefy bass tone. Unseen's got a far better based on than shellac. Like. Yeah, yeah. The I, I would say no. If it was for me, it'd be Jesus Lizard. Yeah, They'd always. Yeah, come, that's true. Always come, always, come back. I would, I would put it. you next to Jesus
1: Lizard. Yeah.
3: There you go. In a Aye. nutshell, there you are Reduce ourselves down to like one,
1: one record. <laughs> <laughs> glad, I'm glad we could get to the bottom of that.
2: <laughs> uh, so yeah, I definitely think this should go in. I agree.
1: I think, I think, like I said, that the discography will be worse off if this is not in it.
3: Yeah. Um, I feel You're teetering Towards this album And that's That's good Um, for me And I I genuinely would Encourage you to go and listen to Probably the one directly before it I think There's a good chance If you quite like this Then you will like that
1: Uh, The more I think about this record And the more I listen to it The more I grow to like it And not in a kind of Shit that's fucking awesome I need to listen to it again Kind of way But it's like I want to listen to it again But I need to Continue to process What I've heard Before I go back to it again Mm -hmm. You know Cool. so yeah jobs are good jobs are good what, so what are we doing next gents I think next week are we doing next military by Death Grips
2: yeah the debut mixtape stroke album stroke the first record by Death Grips indeed,
1: I love indeed. are you excited that by fun.
2: that
3: all day of interesting cover art to look up in a cafe <laughs> <laughs>
1: that one or the other or oh. one? I just looked up... Oh, did you just look up Death Grips like, album cover? I go to the cafe,
3: two in the afternoon, oh, my family's kicking about. I'm not, not going to play it, but I'm going to look up the Death Grips cover art. Yep. Never do that again. You've done <laughs> that wrong. <Nah>, i advise. <laughs> <laughs> but you're willing to know. Oh, I need to find a new cafe now, is so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm looking
2: forward to this one, actually. Yeah.
1: Gentlemen, it's been a total pleasure. Thank you very much.
3: Thanks,
2: guys. Bye.